This episode is sponsored by SumUp, the payments provider for small businesses. Choose from in-store and remote payment solutions with no monthly cost. Visit sumup.co.uk. Welcome to the First Voice podcast brought to you by First Voice magazine, the official flagship magazine of the Federation of Small Businesses and the go-to podcast for news, tips and important information for small businesses. Uh, this episode will explore what the new EU-UK agreement means for small businesses and is brought to you in partnership with SumUp, the small business payments specialists. Now that the Brexit transition period has ended and an EU-UK agreement is in place, there is much for small businesses to digest, to understand the impact on them and their operations. Uh, to explore these issues in detail, I'm joined by FSB Head of International Affairs, James Sibley, who will set out, among other things, exactly what the agreement means for you, for your supply chains, for doing business with other countries and for exporting to Europe. James, welcome. Hello, John. Thanks for having me. No problem. Um, we'll dive straight into it, James, um, if that's okay. There's a, a number of issues uh, arising from the agreement uh, and a number of specific and technical areas I'd like us to cover for our audience today. But I thought we could start with you sharing your, your overall initial reaction to it. What does, what does FSB think of the deal generally? So I think turning the clock back to Christmas Eve, our our first reaction really was one of relief. Um, if you think back before that, we were still faced with the prospect of, of no deal uh, and the wholesale imposition of, of tariffs. Um, so actually getting that deal in place and getting a, a zero tariff, zero quoted deal like we asked for, basically, um, I think was, was a, a tremendous relief um, for us and, and for, for our members. Um, the other thing that we were happy to see uh, and this is something that, again, we've been calling for for a long time, um, is for the inclusion of a small business chapter, which was in there in the text. Um, and that is essentially there to help small businesses, such as our members, really understand this agreement and make best use of it. Because um, they're going it's to, a, it's, a it's a tremendous change. They're going to need help in, in understanding it and, and, and knowing how to use it. So uh, those are our, our initial reactions. Great. And there's been a lot of coverage in the media around rules of origin. Uh, it's something that um, a number of small business owners and uh, managers will, will have heard a lot about. But what exactly are the rules of origin uh, and what do they mean for, for small businesses? So, yeah, there has been a lot of coverage in the, in the media about this recently. Um, so I mentioned that this deal has zero tariffs and zero quotas. Um, the kind of the sting in the tail is that those zero tariffs are um, unlocked via rules of origin. Essentially, rules of origin are the conditions that you have to meet in order to unlock um, those zero tariffs that are in the agreement. Um, and it's a, a common misconception. You hear the word free, you hear the phrase free trade agreements and you think, you know, there, there are no conditions, but this is what we're, we're talking about. Uh, and essentially, rules of origin are there uh, to prove that the products uh, that you, you trade under this agreement are, you know, of the nationality of the two parties to that agreement. Uh, they're essentially designed to prevent other parties from uh, taking advantage of the reduced tariffs that you see in a free trade agreement. Um, now, they're very complex, um, so I'll do my best to explain. 
Um, but basically, if you as a goods exporter, because this only applies to goods, um, want to trade under the, in this case, zero tariffs in this agreement, you essentially have to prove that your product is, is well, for the sake of argument, British. And this can be really simple. It could be that, you know, for instance, you're a, I don't know, a Welsh sheep farmer exporting Welsh lamb. Uh, in that case, you know, that lamb has, has grown up in, in, in Wales. It's, it's wholly obtained as the, ter- as the terminology goes. Uh, but it can range also to the complex. So, you know, if you, for instance, if you're producing a bicycle and you've got, I don't know, a, um, a frame that's imported from, from Taiwan, um, but then you've also got wheels that you handmade your, yourself, and then it can get quite complicated. And you need to basically count up, uh, you know, the, the, the value of the, the, the components and then how much value added you've done in your processing in the UK. So it can get really complicated. Um, and I recommend that any goods exporters who are listening to this, um, they take a look at the, uh, well, first of all, the FSB Transition Hub, but also the gov.uk uh, guidance on rules of origin, because it can get really complex. Yeah, brilliant. And, um, you know, there's understandably a lot of the, the media coverage is focused on the, the negative aspects of, of the deal for small businesses and the negative impact of, of Brexit in general. Were there any nice surprises in the agreement? Were there were there things that we perhaps didn't expect to see, but 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 are there um, that'll be welcomed by by small businesses? So yes, there are a few things that were quite positive. So uh, I mentioned rules of origin. Um, the one thing there that was quite good actually is that in the UK EU agreement um, we have self certification, um, which basically means that you as a supplier, as an exporter, um, rather than what is usually the case in most free trade agreements, going and buying a what is called a certificate of origin for 40 to 50 pounds per product, you can instead um, fill out a, a form called a supplier's declaration yourself, and that can cover you. So, I mean, 50 pounds may not sound like a lot, but if you are someone who exports a lot of different products, it can really rack up. So that was quite a nice surprise. Uh, the other thing that's in there. Uh, there's a few customs easements which are going to make life easier for several, well, many, many small businesses. Uh, so one, for instance, was the uh, mutual recognition of um, AEO status, um, which may not make much of a difference for individual small businesses, but those who use freight forwarders, uh, logistics intermediaries, it will make their life easier, and it should mean that their shipments go through the border more quickly. Um, so there were things in there to celebrate. You mentioned uh, businesses that supply goods when you were talking around rules of origin there, but uh, a huge number of small businesses um, actually deliver services. Um, And a big question for many people will be, what does the agreement mean for us if we sell services into the EU? What are the the implications for small businesses there? So I think there are pretty big implications for small businesses that are dealing cross-border in in services. Um, Unfortunately, in the debate on this agreement, services featured a lot less. Um, and the other thing is that, you know, the difference between single market membership and the kind of provisions in this free trade agreement are quite stark. Um, so the things that services exports need to think about um, is the difference in visa arrangements, for instance. So leaving the single market, you lose the freedom to provide services across the EU. Uh, that doesn't mean that you're, you're banned, doesn't mean you can't, but there are new restrictions in place. Um, so, for instance, um, depending on the member state, you may need to obtain a work permit to deliver the service that you provide. Um, there are many exemptions to that that I'd suggest people check on, um, again, gov.uk. 
Um, but it's just something to think about. And it can really vary by member state. So the example I always give uh, is that in France, for instance, um, if you are going to France to attend a trade fair, um, you can go there on a normal visa exemption if you're just meeting customers and so on. Um, if you're there at the trade fair and you sign a contract, then that's a bit of a grey area. Um, but if you go to that trade fair and you assemble your your, your stand um, at the trade fair, then technically you need a work permit for that activity. Um, so it can get quite compl- complicated and it's worth checking on a member state by member state basis, depending on where you operate. Um, the other thing to mention on services is qualifications, professional qualifications. Um, so in the agreement, there's the there is something on mutual recognition of professional qualifications, but basically, as of today, uh, there's no kind of massive mutual recognition. Um, this is something that may come in time. Um, but for now, if you're a services provider and you depend on a qualification, so I don't know if uh, you are a, a lecturer or, or I don't know, a, a legal advisor, this kind of thing, um, you may need to get your professional qualification recognized in each of the markets in which you operate. So it's a lot more complicated. Um, than perhaps it was before. Um, so those are the two things I would I'd draw attention to. Obviously, a big uh, minefield for businesses for some time now has been the, the management of data. Um, are there implications and issues for small businesses that receive data from EU countries? Yeah, so this is quite an interesting one. So in this whole debate, data has been treated separately to the negotiation of the agreement. So we've been waiting for what is called a data adequacy decision from the European Commission, which basically means that if that is granted, businesses in the UK can uh, export and import data to and from the EU um, as as before. Um, Now, what we've seen is that essentially what we have is a six-month stopgap measure while the Commission makes up its mind. Um, So currently that adequacy decision is in place and businesses can continue as before um, exporting and importing uh, personal data. Uh, But that is something to keep an eye on. Um, and whether that decision does come in the summer of this year. Uh, in the meantime, um, things that small businesses should be thinking about include uh, standard contractual clauses in their contracts. Um, so these can be found on the um, ICO website, for instance. Uh, and this is a, a, a fallback method of, of covering yourself when you are dealing with data across borders. But they're more complicated than, than, than just that. So you may require some legal advice, but that is the thing that I would draw people's attention to. Um, there is one thing, though, in the agreement that is quite useful, which is that in the digital chapter of the agreement, um, data localization is banned. Um, so if in the future you have, I don't know, a, a regulator or, a, uh, or some kind of public authority in the EU saying to you, you need to store your data on a server in, I don't know, Denmark or the Czech Republic, that technically is, is not allowed under the agreement. So that might be something you want to bear in mind in the future. Yeah, great stuff. And uh, another big area for for small businesses is um, is always the issue of of VAT. Um, what are the implications from the deal of um, of VAT and, um, and 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 where that's uh, where that's paid? Yeah, so VAT is a big one, um, and it is massively complicated. So I'll do my do my best to draw attention to a few things that have either changed or stayed the same that people should be thinking about. Um, so the first thing to say is that for for goods. Um, or movement of goods from the UK to the EU, that is now deemed as an export. So for the majority of cases, uh, goods exporters will be able to zero rate um, their exports, um, which is something to, to bear in mind. And for services, it remains in most instances as place of supply. 
Um, there are some exceptions to that, such as uh, delivery of digital services, for instance. Um, but one of the other things to draw attention to is that leaving the EU VAT area, as we now have done, means that the distance selling threshold that previously applied no longer applies. Um, now, in the agreement, there are provisions on mutual assistance on VAT. Um, now, this re- removes the requirement to register or appoint a fiscal representative in some member states, but it does vary by member state. We've had a bit of confusion from members on this. So what I recommend doing is, is talking to your accountant in the, in the first instance and also looking at the Gov.uk guidance um, and seeing whether there are any markets in the EU that you operate in where you're going to have to register or where you may want to consider registering or where you may have to appoint a fiscal representative. Um, it's quite a complex um, patchwork um, that I think now members are going to have to navigate, but that is one thing to bear in mind. Um, the other thing I'll mention for imports is that HMRC has changed the rules on duty deferment accounts. Um, and this basically means that if you're an importer, uh, you can pay your uh, VAT on a monthly direct debit basis rather than per consignment. Um, previously, this required a financial guarantee, but this has been changed as of 1st of January. Uh, not as many members as, as who are aware of this as they should be. So it's something to, to bear in mind and it may help, for instance, with managing cash flow. No, that's great. Really, really clear and insightful. Uh, obviously, you know, it's still only a short time since the deal was announced. Um, so what are the next steps from here and uh, what is FSB calling for? So there are a few things to keep an eye out for. So we have this big agreement in place, um, but there are a few things that have been really kind of left for ongoing negotiation. Um, I've already mentioned uh, data protection, where we are still waiting for the Commission to essentially determine whether the UK um, can be can be trusted to handle EU citizens' data um, by delivering this data adequacy decision. That's something that business is going to need to keep an eye on over the next six months. Um, the other thing is financial services. So you'll see this reported in the news quite a lot that there's still discussions to go on financial services and mutual recognition. Um, that may not affect many of our members, but it's also something to bear in mind. Um, the other thing I've already mentioned, but I can delve into a little bit more, is the mutual recognition of professional qualifications. Basically, what we have in this agreement is a pretty standard EU approach where the EU goes, this is what's possible, i.e. we could recognize, we could see the see the recognition of professional qualifications under this agreement, but we'll leave it to bilateral negotiations between the professional bodies in the UK and the EU. Um, so, you know, this is not something that's had much success in the past, but we're, we're hopeful that um, the bodies involved will, will get cracking on this. And it affects um, professions all over the, sh- the shop. So, you know, architects um, are, are a good example where um, in the EU-Canada agreement, they tried to do something like this. Um, and we, we hope to see this kind of bilateral negotiation now kind of taking off. Um, the other thing to bear in mind is that some easements that government have put in place are going to lapse this year. So um, at the moment for imports, uh, there's not the full suite of checks taking place. That will end um, at the end of June. Uh, the other thing to bear in mind that I hadn't mentioned uh, is that there's an easement in place for rules of origin. Um, so essentially, at the moment, you're not required to um, supply the, su- the supplies declaration uh, for 12 months. Um, now, that will end at the end of this year. And after that, you will have to make sure that you uh, are, are doing the full range um, of paperwork for your, your rules of origin when you are doing your exports. So that's also something to bear in mind as businesses get used to this. Um, in terms of what FSB is doing, 
Um, we're going to be continuing to update the transition hub, which uh, I imagine is going to be um, pretty useful for small businesses who are still trying to make sense of this deal. Um, and then in terms of our asks to government, the big thing at the moment we're asking for is essentially for, for financial assistance in the form of transition vouchers, um, which would be small grants that would help small businesses buy in the advice and training that they might need to make full use, use of this agreement. So that could be on on legal advice, on contracts. It could be accountancy advice on, on VAT uh, and so on. So that's our, our big ask for, for government at the moment. And we're, we're still making making progress on that. No, that's brilliant. Um, James, thank, th- thank you so much. Um, of course, that FSB Transition Hub um, can be found by searching um, FSB Transition Hub um, in your search engine um, and is available via the, uh, the FSB website. James, I think that, that brings us to a, a, a really good conclusion for this episode of our, our podcast, which has been a, a really insightful analysis of the new EU-UK agreement and its impact for the UK's uh, small businesses, I'd like to uh, thank you for, for sharing your insights um, and also to thank our sponsors, um, Small Business Payments Specialists Sum Up, uh, for helping to make this podcast possible. Thanks um, also to our audience for listening. Uh, please do subscribe to the First Voice podcast to receive regular updates and guidance on the big issues affecting small businesses. And if you'd like to read more um, on this topic and others affecting uh, small businesses across the UK, then, of course, the uh, First Voice website, um, firstvoice.fsb.org.uk, has lots of information and guidance for you. Thanks very much. This episode is sponsored by SumUp, the payments provider for small businesses. Choose from in-store and remote payment solutions with no monthly cost. Visit sumup.co.uk.